We're going to continue our study through the book of John. Last week, we looked at two main themes uh, as we looked at at verses 4 through uh, 12, those two themes being knowing and believing. And today, we're going to see that doing these two things the way that the Lord directs us to brings benefits. It brings benefits in prayer and it brings benefits uh, of power. So in our text last week, we first of all see that Jesus said that uh, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that He most certainly is, don't we? Then He says that we must be knowing and believing this truth. Knowing and believing that He is the way. Knowing and believing that He is the truth. And knowing and believing that He is the life. To, to know it and also believe in it. Now he says in verse 13, as we pick up our text, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now I want to put up a big caution right away with these two verses. The caution is, these verses are not for the purpose of the doctrine of name it and claim it. How many of you have heard of that before? where you take a couple verses of the Bible and you take them out of context from the rest of the Scripture and you apply to it a name and claim it, basically saying, here's what God's Word says, so I'm going to claim this in this particular situation. The danger in that is that we, we get out of focus on what it is that we're supposed to be focused on. So these two statements that we have in these verses... Uh, tend to capture all of the attention. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Typically, those two verses are read, and that's where the focus seems to be. But what about the statement that's right in the middle of that? That says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The Son, as we know from our study through the book of John, will always, always glorify the Father. So let's start first with what these verses mean. Number one, you don't get whatever you ask for. Now we've all experienced that, haven't we? Even as we've grown up with our parents, not giving us everything we ask for. Maybe you guys have met or know someone that was the opposite of that. They always got what they asked for. God doesn't always give us what we ask for. Because He knows what's good for us and what's not, right? So we don't always get whatever we ask for, but we do get whatever brings glory to the Father. That's what we get. If we're praying about something, God's going to answer that prayer, but it's going to be answered in such a way that it's going to glorify Himself, right? Period. Always. Well, you say, wait a minute, Pastor Jim. Doesn't it say, I get what I ask for in Jesus' name? Yeah, that's true, if it glorifies the Father. If it doesn't glorify the Father, you're probably not going to get it. So how does that work? Well, it works perfectly. It works according to the will of the Father. So God gives to us that which is best for us because of who He is and because of who we are. If if God... Well, since God knows all things past, present, and future, especially as it relates to us, the ones that are coming to Him in prayer, 
then He knows all things. Since He loves us and since He is the one who is in control of our lives. Knowing all of that, God being who He is, He knows whatever we're asking for, what the results of that are going to be on down the road, right? So we're asking for something right now in a bubble, if you will, only knowing what we know in a particular circumstance where God knows all things. He knows how this is going to affect our lives as things move forward. Does that make sense? So He will answer our prayers according to what He feels is best for us. Now, I know you've watched uh, the TV shows, the tele-evangelists who, boy, they do a lot of the name and claimant kind of things. Now, does that mean that it's not going to come to pass? I want to clarify that too. No, it doesn't. What they're naming and claiming may very well come to pass, but it's only going to be if it's according to God's will, right? Not according to their will, no matter how intense they make their prayer, that prayer is only going to be answered by the way God sees that it should be answered. So it's, decision, it's His decision always, uh, whatever happens. God says in Isaiah 55, verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's just like what we said. God being all-knowing, God being sovereign, God knows what's happened in the past, what's happening right now, and what is going to happen in our lives. So as we pray to Him, He's going to answer those prayers based on His perfect will and in His perfect timing, right? So His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Higher, above, beyond our ways and our thoughts. And it's always to bring Himself glory. We might pray, uh, in Jesus' name, God, bring about a change in this particular situation. We've probably all been there. And God in His sovereignty may bring about a change in us regarding the situation. Have you had that happen to you before? Yeah, I think we all have. That we've prayed about a situation, and it wasn't so much about the situation as God making a change in us, which changes the way that we pray about the situation, right? So the problem lies in our praying with an agenda. Praying our will be done rather than His will be done. I've been there. I think all of us have been there, haven't we? Where, okay, Lord, you're probably not aware of this. <laughs> but this is what's going on and I've got it all figured out. If you'll just do this, everything will be great. Now, we don't actually pray that aloud, verbally. But that's what's going on in our minds, isn't it? And in our hearts, we're saying, Lord, ah, this situation, well, I'm not really sure, Lord, that you can handle it. But I know that I can because I've got it all figured out. I've, I've thought about this. I've looked at the pros and cons on both sides of this. And I think I've got it all figured out what it is that you need to do. So if you'll just get on board with me, we'll get moving on this thing. That's the way we tend to approach God sometimes, isn't it? Again, maybe not verbally, but in our minds and in our hearts, that's, that's where we're going with it. So praying with an agenda. We all do that. We do because we have, 
we want a means to an, uh, uh, to an end here, right? Don't we? We're, we're looking for something to take place. We're praying in particular about a thing or things or a person, and we want this change or this thing to happen, don't we? So we're going into it with an agenda. Well, when Jesus was praying in the garden before his arrest, we see in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says, as he prays, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. And nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There's a qualifier there in his prayer, isn't there? In that, yeah, Lord, here's the desire of my heart, but yet, Lord, I'm submitting to your will rather than my own. Again, that's a good prayer because we're telling God in all honesty, Lord, this is, this is what I want, which he already knows what we want anyway, right? We're not fooling God. But Lord, not according to my will, but according to your will, take care of this thing. Work in this particular situation. So Jesus' prayer here, I think we could, we could say it's the perfect prayer, isn't it? He's perfectly yielding to the Father's will, which does what? The Father is glorified in the Son, which is that little phrase that we saw in between the verses 13 and 14 there. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we have to understand that He's going to respond in a way that glorifies the Father, always. Well, you might say, Pastor, I prayed for something that I knew was the will of God and He didn't answer it the way that He should. <laughs> yeah, He did. <laughs> I can guarantee you He answered it perfectly in the way that He should. He always answers our prayers according to His perfect will, always. So it's always the right answer. If He didn't think that, you, uh, that He answered it the way that you think that He should have, then you were not praying according to His will to start with or leaving it up to His will. If we try to pray with a preconceived notion of how God will answer, then we're actually putting our place, putting ourselves in the place of God, aren't we? We're actually taking God off the throne, setting ourselves on the throne. I'm going to pray the prayer. I'm also going to answer the prayer. <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's not leaving it up to the Father's will. But we should recognize who it is that's praying, us, and who we are praying to, God Himself. He's God, and we're not. Simply put, right? Always. Now in this, there's only three answers to prayer. Only three answers. Yes, no, and wait. Now we like the first one, yes, don't we? That's what, we're, that's what we're praying for, is a yes. We dislike the second one, the no, but we hate the third one. Wait. At least I do. I don't like to wait. Just give me a yes or no answer so that I can move on. But God will have us wait for what purpose? Because He's got some work to do in us. So that when we go back to, them, to Him again in prayer... He has moved our will more into according to His will. So we're praying differently because He's done a work in us. And many times we pray about something when the answer is already revealed in His Word. Things like, Father, should I feed the hungry? And that, that sounds kind of dumb, but 
Yet in some ways we do that, don't we? We ask those kind of questions. Father, should I care for the orphans and widows? Father, should I share the gospel? Well, those are all commandments in His Word, so the answer is already there. We can pray according to God's will on those things that are commanded in His Word, not so should I, but Lord, empower me to, to do it. So we've got the answer to those kinds of things already. We don't need to pray, should I? We need to pray, empower me to do this thing, Lord. If we love Him, we should pray that He will help us to do that which He has already commanded us to do. We've said before, His commandments are His enablements. Meaning that God's not going to command us to do something that He isn't also going to equip us or enable us to accomplish. Right? That, that, that just makes sense. You can't, we don't want to picture God up in heaven going, I'm going to command them to do this, and there is no way they can, they can accomplish this. It's going to be so cool. Michael, come over here, watch this. This guy's going to fail so miserably. God's not about that, is it? If He's commanding us to do something, He's also enabling us to accomplish it. He's also equipping us to accomplish it. So our prayers then in regards to that should be, Lord, I know that you've commanded me to do this thing or that thing or how it relates to this or that person, but Lord, I just I don't feel like I have the capacity to carry that out. Lord, can you help me in this? That's a prayer God loves to hear because we are yielded to His will, depending upon Him to strengthen us, right? God loves those prayers. So His commandments are His enablements. So He says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. So the question is, for all of us this morning, is are we obedient servants? It's a multiple choice question. Are you always an obedient servant? A, always. B, sometimes. C, never. Your answer and my answer, of course, should be what? B, sometimes. If your answer this morning was A or C, uh, I'd like to talk to you after the service. <laughs> For two reasons. If you think you're always obedient, we need to talk. Uh, for several reasons. One, I'd like to see just how it is that you pull that off. See if it's never. <laughs> then uh, we need to talk about your spiritual condition, obviously. Yes, we desire in our hearts to be obedient, don't we? We love Jesus Christ and all that He has done for us. We love all that the Father has done for us. We want to be obedient, but we have this thing called what? The flesh that gets in the way. So we aren't always obedient. But His forgiveness is there for us. So we need to be in a place where our default action is to be obedient. We know that. If we love Him, our desire should be to obey. But we don't always do that, do we? I want to, but I don't always. Now we're not going to get fully into the implications of this this morning. But when you have an opportunity, maybe this week, study what Paul has to say regarding this in Romans chapter 7. Hold your place in John and flip over to Romans chapter 7 this morning. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. Some of you may take great comfort in this passage, knowing who 
Paul is and what Paul has to share with us in this. We're going to look at it just quickly this morning, but it will, I think, give us some insight into what we're uh, looking at, studying this morning. Romans chapter 7, uh, starting with verse 15. Now this is Paul speaking here. For what I am doing, I do not understand. That phrase right there alone captured my attention. What I'm doing, I do not understand. Why am I doing this? Chris wonders the same thing sometimes. Why, why are you doing that? For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. I'm going to stop right there for a second because there's a principle in Bible study that if a word repeats itself over and over again, it's something that should grab our attention. You're going to see the word do in here a lot. Do and not to do. Now pay attention to it. Verse 20, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Paul saying this, verse 24, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you hear Paul's heart in this whole thing? And I know we look at Paul and think, yeah, but if Paul messed up, he didn't mess up near as much as I mess up. So, you know, and Paul's writing this. This is a pretty sobering passage, isn't it? You just think, we put Paul up there, don't we? We shouldn't, but we do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So the key to all of these verses that we just read in chapter 7, the key to all of those is in the first verse of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. They don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there is no condemnation. I am not condemned. Each one of us this morning can say, I am not condemned with these two qualifiers that we find in this verse. That I am in Christ Jesus and that I walk according to the Spirit. I must first know and believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior, Savior of my sins. Trusting totally in Him for forgiveness of my sins, that He was God's perfect sacrifice for my sins. And I must have relationship with Him for that forgiveness. I have to be in Christ Jesus. And 
I must walk according to the Spirit. So in order to walk according to the Spirit, we must also have the Spirit. In order to keep His commandments, in order to walk in the way that He commands, we need help, don't we? Can we just admit that this morning? We need help in this. Because we just read what Paul said and Paul struggled with, and it had to ring true with us as well that sometimes we have a tendency to fall short, don't we? Sometimes we mess up. Our intentions are good. We desire to be obedient to God. Sometimes we're just not. So we need help. We need help. Say that with me this morning. I need help. We do, don't we? Let's look at verses 16 and 17 now. Jesus has told His disciples, as we look back over what we talked about the past few weeks, He's told His disciples that He's leaving. He's told them that He is always the way, He's always the truth, and He's always the life. He has told them to know this and believe it. He has told them now to keep His commandments. If you love Me, keep My commandments. And He has told them, if you love Me, you will do these things. But He knows we can't do it on our own. So He loves us so much, He gives us help. A helper. A forever helper. A full-time helper. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So for the remainder of our study time today, we're going to focus on verse 16, this, this helper, who we know from verse 17 is the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. So picture, as we have over the past few weeks, through the passages that we've looked at, Jesus, He's here with His disciples in the upper room. He's been encouraging them because everything that they have experienced with Him up to this point so far, it's going to get rocked, isn't it? They're going to go through something in the next 24 hours that's, that's going to really uh, challenge them in what they believe and in their faith. So he's encouraging them. He's giving them promises. The promises, as we saw back in chapter uh, 13, or the first part of chapter 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he also promises what? I will come again and receive you to myself. And also the promise of where I am, you will be also. Eventually, you're going to be there. And also, whatever you pray in my name, I will answer. These promises that he's given. For these guys, tough times lay ahead. Confusing times, troublesome times. And Jesus knows they're going to need help, aren't they? That would be true of us. Pick a day, right? We have tough days. We have confusing days, troublesome days, and we need help. So we see his, his next promise, I will pray to the Father to send you a helper. A helper. A helper to abide with you forever. It says in verse 16, He may abide with you forever. I don't know about your definition of forever, but my definition of forever is, it's a long time. <laughs> it's 
forever. It's one of those words that you can't really define without using the word itself, right? So he's going to be with us forever. Well, how long is that? Well, it's forever. It's eternity. It's really longer than we can even fathom, right? We can't really picture eternity because we're, we're on a time clock. Everything's in the parameters of time for us. You're saying except for you, Pastor Jim, because it's getting late already. But <laughs> So we're, we're in this place in our lives always where time is something that's right in front of us. It's in our face always. Well, eternity is forever. <laughs> Great definition. Definition of forever is forever. It's forever, ever, ever, ever. So... A helper to abide with you forever. He will be there to help you all of the time. A full-time, forever, always helper. Now, that brings comfort to me because how many of you here uh, have friends, maybe not so good of friends, that said, hey, you're moving? I'll help you. Yet, when it comes to moving day, they're nowhere to be found, are they? Now, that's not a forever, always helper. It's not someone that's just there whenever you need them. Uh, we, we pray and we ask for uh, the Lord to bring us help in a particular situation. The helper is already there. We're looking for flesh, hands and feet to help us. God's Holy Spirit is already there as our forever, always helper to be there for us. The Spirit of Truth, he is called in the next verse. The Spirit of Truth. So not only is he our helper, our forever, always there helper, but also he's 100% truth. Whatever he brings to us, whatever he shares with us, guides us to, is 100% truth without fail. How many of your friends are that way. And I'm not <laughs> slamming your friends this morning. That's not my purpose here. My purpose is to realize that we have this forever always friend called the Spirit of Truth that's just always there for us. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but look, look at verse 26 in the same chapter. But the Helper, that's who we're talking about, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Truth, whom the Father will send in my name, so they know they're getting comfort in that He is coming, the Father is going to send Him, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He will teach you all things. Now, I read that verse at first and I just think, well, yeah, within the capacity of what it is, I can learn, right? <laughs> there is a spoon feeding, if you will, that goes on from the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's not going to just shove things down our throat. Over time, He's going to teach us all things. He's going to be the revealer of all things. So this Holy Spirit that Jesus is promising coming to His disciples, He says He's going to teach you all things, and He's going to bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, that has to bring comfort, too, because how many of us here are really good at memorizing Scripture? That's great. That's great. It's a, it's a wonderful discipline to be into. 
to memorize scripture. For years, I kind of slid in the back door with that because I knew there were so many songs that were scripture. I could remember it if I was playing my guitar, but to just quote it, you know, and it was a little awkward. Somebody at work going, what, what's that verse? Just a second, let me get my guitar, you know, so I could remember it. It just, it just didn't work, you know, in those situations. But memorizing scripture is something that's good for us to have constantly in our arsenal of tools, if you will. But we've also experienced, I think, each one of us, where we've been in a situation, and what does God do? He brings to our remembrance a scripture, a passage of things that Jesus said, things that we've learned in His Word. He brings those things to our remembrance for any number of reasons, for our own comfort, but also for bringing comfort and encouragement to someone else, right? He brings to our remembrance these things. And He teaches us all things. This Helper, this Holy Spirit, He's going to teach us all things. He's going to bring to our remembrance all things said by Jesus. Jesus is encouraging His disciples with that. Guys, you're going to be going through a tough time, and all the things that I've taught you, they're not written down for them at that time, so He's going to bring them to their remembrance. It's, it's going to be revealed to them not only what those things were, again, but also what they mean. And it's going to bring them great encouragement. You may have heard this before, that the Holy Spirit is the most underutilized resource that we have in our Christian walk. Would we all agree with that? Given what we've seen just this morning of the description of the Holy Spirit as our helper someone that we can cry out to, someone that we can look to for what? For help when we need help. Lord knows we need help to cry out to the Holy Spirit that is there for us. He's our helper when we need help. I know I need to be taught continually, consistently by the Spirit of truth. I need that. I know I need to be reminded of Jesus' words. We have this helper now, in the Greek, the word is parakletos. It's a very interesting word. Here's some definitions from the Greek dictionary of that word. Summoned one, called to one's side, called to one's aid, one who pleads another's cause, counsel for defense, legal assistant, an advocate, an intercessor, a helper. I love that word. I love that translation of that as helper, that relates to us. It relates to me in that when I'm going through whatever I'm going through, I can cry out for help and the helper is there for me. Someone we can call upon, someone we can depend upon, someone who will always give us 100% truth and will always be with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He is always with us, a forever, always helper. Are you, are you grasping that, the depth of what that is? It's a very simple thing, really, isn't it? Someone that's available to me and to you to be our help all the time, 24-7, whenever we need it, and whatever counsel He gives us, whatever direction He guides us in, is going to be 100% truth. So not only is He there for us as a helper, but we can rely on Him 
to know that he's acting on behalf of the Father. He will never misrepresent the Father. He will always do and carry out the will of the Father. <laughs> That's just an amazing thing available to us in our Christian walk. If we don't know something, we can ask the Helper. We don't know how to pray, we can ask the Helper. What did we start off with in this passage? It was about prayer, wasn't it? Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So where's the best place for us to go to know how to pray about any given situation? Let's go to the Helper. You know, the Helper. <laughs> it almost sounds like it would be a great TV miniseries, doesn't it? The Helper. He's just ready. Ready and willing to, to help so we need direction, ask the Helper. You see, of all things in Scripture that describe the person of the Holy Spirit, of all things in Scripture that describe the work of the Holy Spirit, of all the names that are used to describe the Holy Spirit, Jesus, at this time and in this place, for His disciples, disciples excuse me, calls the Holy Spirit what? The Helper. One who is available for to give help to help you know maybe the Beatles without even knowing it described it best that's what I'm thinking help you know I need somebody help not just anybody help you know I need someone help right <laughs> I lost you didn't I that song's going to be there now for the rest of, rest of the service and it's like great song Help is available to us as the God-given helper to teach us all things, to bring to remembrance what it is we need. But there is a qualifier to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have, you already have the helper in your life. If you're not in Christ Jesus, if you don't know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have that help available to you. But you have opportunity to pray in Jesus' name to receive Him. That which glorifies the Father, and He will answer. Amen? Amen. 